2: Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day. Every day with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio.
3: So, uh, look, we've done a lot of different things over the course of WIP Daily, which has been going on for like, I guess, 10 months now. We did it right before the NFL draft, right, right after, or around the NFL draft. I forget, sometime late April last year. We started WIP Daily and uh, have enjoyed doing it on a you know, daily basis, Monday to Friday, every single day moving forward since then. But we thought, let's let's try to do some new things here with the show and get you guys more involved. So we, uh, we put out a call for some questions. So today we're going to do our first AMA mailbag. Anything you ask, you're in charge of the show. You ask the questions. Tucker and I pick out the best ones and uh, Tucker will throw the questions at me that we got here. And we will uh, we'll talk about them. And then, you know, moving forward, we'll do more of these. If you have questions, if you have comments, you want us to hit on a future episode, you can throw it in the YouTube or send it to uh, to myself or Tucker uh, through anything, Twitter or or wherever you find us. uh, Send it to us there, Instagram, and we will uh, put in a future episode. All right, Tucker, what do we have today? We have uh, we have some AMA style questions. We'll see what the people want to talk about today. Yeah, we got a lot of questions, a lot of Eagles questions. And uh, we'll
4: start with this one from Mike. Do you think the Eagles would have been more successful, or do you think the Eagles have been more successful since Andy Reid left? And as a good question asker, he added context. With Reid, they had nine playoff appearances in 14 years. Post-Reid, they have seven playoff appearances in 11 years, two Super Bowl appearances, and
3: one parade. So it's, it's interesting. My first instinct is like, well, they were more successful with Andy than since he left. But the context Mike lays out, it's it's not as big as – like the gap isn't huge, right? And the Super Bowl happened after Andy Reid. Here's what I'll say. I'll say they were more successful with Reid because of the context of what he took over. They were terrible. I mean, go back – like think about the late 90s Eagles. They were awful. I know they had some pieces on defense, but generally speaking, it was, it was not a good franchise. I thought when Andy left, although they were bad in two, 2012 – Chip didn't take over a barren franchise. They had the bones of something here with line play, high draft pick. I mean, they had some stuff here. And obviously Howie and Jeff kind of knew what they were doing then after Andy taught them all those years. So I understand the Super Bowl sways it, but man, five NFC Championship games and all that winning, considering what Andy took over, I don't think they've been as successful. To me, they haven't been as consistent, Tucker, as they were when Andy was here.
4: Yeah, I think with Andy, there's a lot less variation on a year-to-year basis, right? Especially early on when you knew they were going to be, you know, 12 wins and in the NFC title game, which is something Howie Roseman hasn't done, right? He hasn't built anything sustainable since, since Andy Reid left. Um, from tired, which I think we all feel maybe this early in the morning, uh, after Nick Sirianni struggles in 2024, who will be the Eagles head coach the following season?
3: So I, I, I guess we've all been thinking about this, right? Like ever since they retained Sirianni, my thought is, okay, who's next? And we did an episode a few weeks ago that I thought this was such a unique class of coaches to where they had to make a move because how often do you get all these great candidates within the same year all out there? Now, luckily for the Eagles, if, we, if Sirianni doesn't work out, some of those guys didn't get jobs. Like Mike Vrabel didn't get a job. Bill Belichick didn't get a job. But the, the one name I have on the top of my mind is Ben Johnson. Now, perhaps there's something there that we don't know about that maybe he doesn't really want to be head coach or he's got cold feet because it's two years in a row now where things were weird. The Carolina Panthers wanted him two years ago. He said no. I think we we're all like, well, that makes sense. Who wants to coach David Tepper? Coach for David Tepper? But then this past year, it happened again. It just happened with the commanders, with Josh Harris and, and Adam Peters. So it feels like something's going on with, with Ben Johnson. Maybe he's just more comfortable being a coordinator or maybe... This wasn't his fault, right? Maybe the Panthers were a bad job he didn't want that was smart. Maybe he really was unimpressed with Josh Harris. I think he called him a basketball guy. didn't think he knew anything about football. So maybe Ben Johnson's in the right here. He's the name, Tucker. If if the Eagles need a coach next year, it just feels like he fits. He checks every box. He's young, offensive guy, a play caller. If I had to guess where they go and what Jeff Lurie wants, it, it looks like Ben Johnson. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that often
4: overcorrects. And you think about the anti-Nick Sirianni, it's Ben Johnson, right? It's an offensive wizard who's been able to, to draw up some unbelievable offensive schemes. So, I don't know. If Belichick isn't an option, isn't something they're, they're willing to explore. I mean, Ben Johnson, I think he might have been the top candidate for a lot of teams this cycle. And because of the Lions playoff run, because of, you know, the way things transpire with Washington and, and him turning that down he's going to be the top candidate again this year, depending on, on how things go with the Detroit Lions. Um, so from Eric, this is a baseball question. There's a lot of talk this postseason about how the top seeds fell flat after having a week off. If the Phillies on the current roster managed to end the season in first place, do you think they'd be at a disadvantage missing the wildcard series?
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, mean, I think it's it's played out now, what, we've had two years of this? of Yeah, of the extra playoff teams, so the, the buys for the first two seeds. Something's going on here, and I don't think it's just like a blip. Now, maybe 10 years from now, we might say those first two years were weird. The top seeds top seeds keep getting to the World Series. But I do think it's a disadvantage. It's one, though, that if you say to me, Joe, would you rather have the disadvantage or of missing a week, right, sitting a week, or the advantage of, of not having to play another round, I still would take the advantage. Now I think baseball needs to do something here that maybe they, they condense the days and they get that series started quicker to help those top seats so they don't sit a week. But, yeah, Tucker, I, I think it is a disadvantage. I, I don't know how you simulate in a sport where these guys are going to swing and play baseball, like starting next Saturday is our first game on WITP. I think, 24th. They're yeah. going to play games, and not all of them in spring training, but you know, when the season starts, they're going to play basically every day and hit every day for six to seven months and then eight, when you include the playoffs and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, guys take five or six days off and then come back and play a super competitive game against the best pitcher the other team has in game one. I it It is a disadvantage. Baltimore last year was the best team in the American league. And they looked flat when the playoffs started. The Braves were historically good. They looked flat. And part of that was Zach Wheeler's amazing, but they looked just flat when the playoffs started. So, I do think, although I'll root for it, and it's good for the Phillies to play less playoff series because that's less times they could lose. Yeah, I I think under the current format, it is a disadvantage. And it's almost interesting
4: because usually the teams you play in the wildcard run aren't that great, right? If you ask the Braves, would you rather take a week off or play the 84 win Marlins in, in a three game series? I think you would know the answer, right? And obviously the Phillies lost the pennant to an 84 win Diamondbacks team two weeks later. But I don't know the way that the haves and the have nots in the national league and the American league too, just it feels like there's such a huge gap that if you ask a team like the, the Braves or the Dodgers, would you rather a week off or play a team that's around 500 in a three game set? I think they'd be pretty confident in their ability to take care of business there. Um, Another Phillies question from, from Dylan. Do you think the Phillies have enough firepower as they stand now to meet Atlanta and the Dodgers? Maryfield
3: isn't going to be enough to move the needle, although it would help. No, I don't. I, I still think they need one more player. And it, look, it doesn't have to come now. You know, I know Cody Bellinger's out there now. We've talked about him a lot on this show. There's also the trade deadline where something could happen. I saw Ken Rosenthal last night bringing up our old buddy, Mike Trout, saying that maybe enough is enough at some point during the season. If they're terrible, he says, I, I can't do this anymore. So th- there will be opportunities to get more players and to add. But no, I, I mean, like, could the Phillies... Do it the way the Diamondbacks did it last year? Tucker dispatched the Diamondbacks. Sure, we've seen the Phillies do it two years ago against the World Series. But when you stack up the Braves lineup right now and the Dodgers lineup and the Phillies, there's a difference. It, it just is. The, the top of the Braves lineup and Dodgers lineup, one through four or five, is enormous. And the Phillies, it's not. It's like, we know we're getting out of Schwarber, assuming he hits one. Turner, I'm not sure we're going to get out of him. Harper, I feel good about what we're going to get. And after that, your guess is good as mine. Does Bohm take a, a leap? I don't know. Maybe he, this is what he is. Does Stott take another leap? I would guess so. Does Real Muto still have a lot left in him? I don't know. So no, I, I don't think they have enough firepower. Now I like Whit Merrifield. We talked about him the other day. I think he would help, and I think he's a he's a winning kind of player. But if you're talking about firepower, no, I don't think anyone Tucker has the firepower of the Braves and the and especially the Dodgers now. I mean that that top three in Los Angeles of bets. Freeman Otani might be the best top three I've ever seen in any lineup ever. Yeah. I mean, you think about some of the all-time great lineups in our lifetimes,
4: like the mid-90s Indians, the, the Yankees at the turn of the century, um, even the Phillies when, when they started to get hot, like 07 through 09, um, that kind of run. I mean, they have three guys who have a legitimate shot at winning MVP this year, one, two, three in their lineup. It, it's unbelievable. It's something that, like you said, I said, I think it's unmatched um in our time watching baseball another baseball question this one from matt um asking would you take a chance on trevor bauer um one of the best pitchers in baseball willing to sign at a minimum deal um and a, he has a second question asking what is your dream golf
3: foursome mm. all right let's tackle the bauer one first so I, I struggle with this question we actually got it on the show yesterday on the midday show so like i'm of two minds on this like just if it's just a baseball question who wouldn't want Trevor Bauer? He could pitch and he wants a pitch for a very, you know, he seems, seems like he's willing to take any kind of deal just to get back in the major leagues. And I don't think the time off probably affected him that much. I'm sure he could still be affected, but it's uncomfortable. I mean, I, I don't want to root for him. I, I wouldn't sign him. I'll just, I'll, and I'll say it like that. I, I wouldn't go out of my way to sign Trevor Bauer. Now I know there's a lot out there. I'm sure people have read up or seen stuff. I know there, there was one legal situation that was settled. And I'm of the mind, like, if one thing happens, who knows? If he said, she said, you know, whatever, the legal stuff take, uh, plays its course there, right? That's the way players are allowed to play again. But Tucker, there's multiple accusations against him civil suits, other stuff. It just feels like he, he just, it feels like an uncomfortable situation with a lot of still unknowns. If it was one situation and it was all settled, I probably wouldn't say, okay, second chance time. But there's not. There's other people, and I know he's countersuing the one person, but there's not just one person that's accused him of some pretty tough things over the years.
4: Yeah, it's not fully shut yet, like, if we do get to that point, by all means. Um, But you're right, like, it just – I don't know. It feels like a weird thing. It feels like a can of worms that if you're Dave Dombrowski or John Middleton, do you really need to open that right now? Like, there's a reason why no other baseball team – there are a lot of teams who have pitching issues – There's a reason why none of them have necessarily taken a chance yet on on Trevor Bauer.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: dot com slash taylor tay in the uk on the odyssey app thanks to republic records this is a national contest
3: yeah all right now as far as the the dream foursome i'm not a big golfer but i know this is always that kind of question like if you could play golf right so when when someone asks you a a dream foursome for a golf do you include yourself in it or am i am i with the other four people no you would include yourself unless you want a caddy unless i'll get on the sideline all right because i have four names in my head All right, because the Phillies are kind of spinning in my head right now. So I'll be the caddy, and we'll go with four former Phillies managers to be the foursome. Let's go with Charlie Manuel, Larry Boa, Terry Francona, and then let's throw Rob Thompson in there as the current Phillies manager. I always think baseball people have the best stories. Like If you're going to hang out for like three or four hours and play a round of golf, I think they'd be great. You're probably surprised I didn't pick Gabe Kapler. But I think I he's probably more likely, like, he seems better suited to go get coffee with or to sit down at, a, at, like, a dive bar than to go golfing with. I don't know if he would fit the vibes of your foursome. That's
4: like, what I'm I, I can't imagine, like, Charlie talking about hitting and, you know, Rob Thompson and, and Terry Francona debating the usage of their bullpen, and then Kapler showing up with his coconut oil and protein powder and telling everybody, just walk faster.
3: Oh, his, oh, his uh, TikTok a few weeks ago or a month ago when he was like, just walk faster. You'll get places faster. faster.
4: If it's a 10-minute drive, and it, well, first of all, where are you going
3: where 10-minute drives and
4: 10-minute walks are the same distance? I don't know. But just walk faster. Imagine him where telling Charlie there? Manuel who just had a stroke. Hey, Charlie, just walk faster. Just a little faster. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave Gabe
3: out of this one. Maybe another time. Uh,
4: another question from Tom. Do you think we'll see MVP-level trade turner like we did after the ovations? If not, do you still want to undo his contract?
3: So, are, are you ready for this, Tucker? Because this this, the next month or two, this conversation is going to pop up. Like, which Trey Turner are we going to get in 2024? And I think there's going to be an assumption, and I'm going to make a comparison here. Remember, I think it was, it was a, yeah, 2019, Carson Wentz struggled at the beginning of the season, right? And then he finished really strong, and the, and the Eagles made the playoffs. And then heading into that next year, there was a conversation like, are we getting that Wentz all year, MVP level Wentz the way he played in December? I- I'm always like, give me the full body of work, and I think that's who you are. So you look at Trey's numbers. They didn't end up bad, but they ended up, what, for the fourth or fifth straight year, declining from the year before. His OPS was like, I don't know, where it end up, seven 790s, eight hundred, somewhere around there, 780s? 778. 778, right? So that was a dip from 8. I don't know, what, 806, 810 the year before. He's dipped like four or five straight years now. So, no, I don't expect an MVP level Trey Turner. I don't know if we're ever seeing those days again. Now, he could have streaks. He's streaky, but I don't. like if, if he gives the Phillies an 800 OPS and it's kind of a more steady version of how he ended last year, it less ups and downs, I'll take that. But no, I, I I don't think we're getting that player. That that felt to me like a super hot streak rather than what he is. He had a, he had led the league in errors. He strikes out a lot. I, I don't think that stuff is changing. As far as undoing his contract, yeah, I, I could spend that money in better ways. Uh, I don't have a ready replacement right now, so I'm not excited to do it today. They need to go play a season. But yeah, I still think that contract's going to be a problem and. I don't think we're getting an MVP level player. I heard Jack yesterday afternoon say he thinks he'll finish top ten MVP in the NL, and I was like, I don't know. There's a lot of good NL players. You mentioned three on the Dodgers. We have Bryce Harper here. The Braves have like two or three. I'd be happy if he did, but I, I don't expect that. Yeah, I mean,
4: you mentioned his OPS dating back to 2020, which is his best year in the Nationals. Obviously, small sample size. It was 982. It was 911 in 2021. It was 809 in 2022, and then 778 last year. Like. That's a shortstop at the age of 31 this year, kind of in a, a bit of a decline. So it would be it'd be great, certainly. But at this point, I do wonder if maybe they'd jump the gun on letting and Stott just figure things out at shortstop and then you fill in second base with someone making half the money and then you could sign a pitcher or someone like Shohei Otani who was on the, the free agent mark last year. Um, another question from Rick. Who is the who will be the best player in Philadelphia 5 years from now?
3: 5 years makes it hard. Right? 3 years I feel like we could just kind of roll through the guys that are really good right now and just assume the aging veterans. Yeah, guys that are in their 30s uh and have maybe some injury issues or e- even you know a year ago if you asked this question I still probably Jalen Hurts would still be a good bet, but he didn't play great this past season and he's a quarterback that's been banged up a lot. So Five years from now, I don't know what Jalen Hurts looks like. I mean, at the same age that Hurts will be five years from now, I think Cam Newton was done. So I, that's – it's a tricky question. I would – the three names that pop to my head right away are Jalen Carter, because if he's as good as we think he could be, he's kind of right in that sweet spot of his mid to late 20s. Tyrese Maxey will still be in his 20s five years from now, and though he's already an all-star player. And Bryson Stott. I think Stott's going to have a long, good career here in Philly. But there's there's also like the Andrew Painter, who we don't know about, but he obviously has a chance. Have we heard how great he was going to be. I, I will say right now, Jalen Carter is the answer. Jalen Carter turns into you know a perennial Pro Bowler, and he's still that guy.
4: Yeah, I think he fits the profile better than. It's just weird because he doesn't play a high profile position, right? right? People want it to be your, your superstar in basketball, your quarterback, your shortstop. But picking an offensive tackle, I think he's the safest bet. Um, by far from Seth wants to know what's been your favorite take over the years. And if you could have one back, what would it
3: be? Ooh, I mean, Tucker heard a lot of these uh, on the evening show. So favorite take, I mean, I'll just keep this simple. The Eagles should have kept Foles and traded Wentz. I mean, that's the take that will never go away. They should have, it would, it would all worked out better. If they traded, you know, Wentz at his highest peak and kept Foles and gave another year or two starting. They they probably would have ended up with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback anyway, To give him another year. And then, Draft Jalen Hurts. Uh, As far as the one I wish I could take back, I I never think about that because, I don't know, takes a take. But uh, here's what I'll say on that. So I don't wish we didn't do the show because I think it was a fun show and it was a good show. But when we did the show, I don't know, a week before the playoffs started in 2022 that I wish the Phillies didn't make the playoffs, it's just because... It, it painted me as I didn't want the Phillies to do well when the playoffs started. That wasn't true. I just was frustrated at them. And then they got swept by the Cubs. They got swept by the yeah, Cubs. Yeah, they were
4: bad. They were bad yeah. in like mid-September.
3: Yeah, they were terrible. So I was like, they're not going to do anything anyway. What's the point of even making the playoffs? They'll just fool themselves and blah, blah, blah. I, I think it was a fun show that night. and it, I think it was, I'm glad we did the show. But it feels like people thought I didn't want them to do well when the playoffs started. And that obviously wasn't true because that was, that was a fun October. Yeah, I think they finished the season like five and twelve. They're terrible. Year and
4: limped in thanks to the the Marlins, right? The Marlins swept the Brewers on the final yep. weekend of the season and, and got them in. Um, a question from Steve: I saw your post a couple months ago about the football one hundred book. Which player ranking surprised you the most? So two two of them
3: did, um, and I understand why one of them were, was where it was when they published. Patrick Mahomes was like towards the one hundred level rather than one. And I get it, right? When they published or wrote it, he probably had played four or five years. Uh, this was written a year ago or whatever, published. And so I understand why it was tough to rank him as he's just in the first third of his career or whatever he is. And he hadn't won, certainly this last Super Bowl. I don't even know if he had won the, the second one uh, when they wrote the story. So the fact that he was in the 100, yeah, of course he should be. But the fact that he was so close towards the bottom and they even said it like in the, in the story like or the part of the book, we don't know where to rank him. He's going to rank way higher. It's really hard because he's you know, doing his legacy as this book is published. But when you open the book now, it's like he's not the 98th best player ever. He's closer to the best. So that was a little weird. The other one was Emmett Smith. I forget exactly where he was, but I think he was in the 20s. And the reason that kind of threw me for a loop is because my recollection of Emmett Smith and the way he's been talked about since is – he was really good, but he played behind the best offensive line and what a great, you know, a good quarterback and a great receiver. You know, it almost, I remember him being diminished a little bit because anyone could have run behind those guys. But then as I read the section of the book, it was like, well, he, he was the most durable back, and he did take the carries and run every single year for, you know, 15 years. And that's why, Tucker, I don't think anyone will ever surpass Emmett Smith's record. One, because that... And two, there's no lead backs anymore that even get those kind of carries. So I, I, I probably underrated Emmett Smith over the years maybe because he was a cowboy and I didn't like the Cowboys. But he, he was great.
4: Yeah, I think he's ranked 29th on that list. I just looked it up, which feels about right. Like Barry Sanders was a, a couple spots ahead of him. Um, but you're right. Like who's the best? Like McCaffrey's the best running back in football now. It's not going to sniff that record. Derek Henry was probably the closest guy to that. He's not going to come close like that. That's a record. I think it's going to stand forever. Like Frank Gore played like 25 years to even come close to it and finish. I think he was a third or fourth or fifth mm-hmm. by the time he retired. But yeah, Emmitt Smith, I think is going to be at the top top for a while. Um, and the
3: final question from Kyle, what's the best show or movie you've watched recently? So I've got two Netflix shows that I've, I've watched uh, recently. One, Just because my wife was watching and I just started like watching with her, and I was like, this is actually pretty good. And the other one was kind of my pick, and I'm in the middle of watching it. So the first one was The Crown. You ever watch The Crown? It's good. I I, I was like, am I really going to like this? It's about the Queen of England and the, like, it's about the family, the royal family. But it was really good. Um, And I was, I kind of lived through the Princess Diana thing because I was a kid then. I was a big story. So that kind of resonated with me a little bit. The other one I'm watching right now is Fool Me Once. I guess it's based on a book. I never read the book, but it's about a, a woman who her husband is murdered and her sister is murdered in a sh- small span of time. And there's a connection between it. And like, it, it, she can't trust anyone. And it seems like like the whole thing is like against her. So something's going on and I'm trying to figure out like who's the bad guy in this, basically. Because they are all kind of seem like the bad guys. So that was pretty good. Um, you watch anything new? Uh, no, you know what I've been watching? I've been watching The Simpsons.
4: I decided to go back to the beginning and, and start at season one. And it's been like three months and I've made it to like season nine. I'm only a, like a quarter of the way through, but unbelievable for a show that when I was a kid, it was viewed as like washed and not that good anymore. Go back and watch like the first seven
3: seasons of the Simpsons. It's unbelievable television.
1: It, it like, holds up. The too. The
4: 90s.
3: Yeah. It's, it holds up the Simpsons and Seinfeld. I think you could put on forever. They just, they're just funny.
4: I think Seinfeld, like when you watch friends, it seems like it's in the nineties for some reason, when you watch Seinfeld, like, it, I know they don't have cell phones or like right. normal not technology. It
3: feels relevant today, even though it's just funny. It's it just not, works. Like Thirty
4: years old. At yeah, this
3: point. it's great. Uh, this was fun. All right, we'll do more of these AMA mailbags. If you have questions, you're watching on YouTube. Throw them in the chat. We'll grab them and we'll do them in a future episode. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following WIP Daily. We'll talk soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.